Okay, absolute uncertainty is the title of the message tonight. How many of you are grammatically uh, informed enough to know that doesn't make sense? That's what we call an oxymoron. You know what an oxymoron is? It's a contradiction in terms. Uh, submissive wife is often used. To... <laughs> With that, I'm, I'm teasing. But when something is absolute, I mean, it's, it's definitive. It's complete. Absolute silence means what? Total, complete silence. Uncertainty is the, the, the opposite of absolute because with uncertainty, there's, there's, it's not definitive. You don't know what's going to happen. But tonight in Hebrews 11, we pick up in verse 7, and our character is Noah. Now, we're going to be in Hebrews 11 for a minute, but we're going to spend the bulk of the evening in his story in Genesis 6. And the, the story of Noah, it really, it's one of absolute uncertainty. And when you decide that you're going to follow Christ, and you're really going to follow Christ, and you're going to jump on the train and go for the adventure, I'm telling you, it's one of absolute uncertainty. There's just going to be a lot of things you are not going to know, and that's where faith comes into play. Amen? Absolutely, it's where it comes into play. So let's begin with this. And I want to just ask you a series of questions as I ask myself. Will you be faithful when no one else is? Will you be faithful to Christ and in your walk with Jesus when no one else is? Chapter 11, verse 7 says, It was by faith that Noah built a large boat, an ark to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him, listen, about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness, the rightness, the righteousness of God that comes by faith. Remember that word faith means trust and believe. It means reliance. It means commitment to. It means faithfulness. Now let's go to Genesis chapter 6. In verse 5 through 9, it says, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them, and he put them on, that he put them on earth. It broke his heart. Verse 7, And the Lord said, I'm going to wipe the human race I've created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, small animals that scurry along the ground, even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. Verse 8, but Noah found favor with the Lord. This is the account of Noah in verse 9 and his family. Noah, he didn't find favor, just some abstract lottery ticket winner but because he was a righteous man right with God. Listen, the only blameless person living on earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. When I was a kid, if I heard this one time, I heard it a thousand times. It's never been worse than it is right now. Y'all ever heard that before? Some of you old-timers have said that before, haven't you? And by the time you're 14 and you've heard that 82,000 times, you don't believe it. And the fact is, that's not true. It, it's bad in a lot of places in our world today. It's bad morally in America. It's never been worse than it was in Noah's day. Folks, it says Noah was the only righteous person, one right with God, on the face of the earth. Now, as a kid, I thought there was probably Noah, his family, and like five other families. 
Scholars differ, and there's no way we know for sure. I've heard estimates as high as maybe one billion people were on earth at that time. I don't know if it was that high, but I guarantee it was in the millions. And I don't mean to pick on the women tonight when I use a submissive wife. It doesn't even say Mrs. Noah was a righteous woman. Did you notice that? It doesn't say his three sons and their wives are righteous. It says Noah was the only righteous man found on this earth. One of the reasons Noah's going to be the hero that he is, and that he is the hero that he is, is because regardless of what anybody else did, he stayed true to God. I want to ask you this evening, for you, for me, you ever feel like you're doing it all alone with God? You're not. Look around you. There's a number of committed people to Christ in this room, but sometimes it feels like you're all all alone, doesn't it, in the fight for Jesus? Especially it may be where you work or in the community. And I think that's going to get worse before it gets better in our world. Pepper Rogers, great name, he was a football coach for many years. When he went to UCLA to coach, he eventually had good success, but at first he was losing a lot of games. The alumni were mad at him. The athletic director was mad at him. The players didn't like him. Uh, the newspapers were mean to him. And he went home and he told his wife his dog was cuddled up to him. He said, honey, every man needs at least two good friends. And she went out and bought him another dog. Sometimes even those closest to you won't be true. Let me ask you a serious question. Will you be, will you be faithful to God regardless? See, some of you are going to only go as far as your husband goes or your wife goes. And by the way, I've seen this happen in churches all the time. If your husband or wife bends off in the wrong direction, you'll follow. I don't want you to leave your husband and wife at all, but I want you to follow God first and foremost. Will you follow God even when your family doesn't? Will you follow God when the the world begins to drift farther and farther away? Will you stay faithful to God? Listen, one of the things that separated Noah from everybody, what literally separated him, is he stayed true to God Completely and totally. How about you? Will you stay faithful to God regardless? Here's the second question. Will you trust God when things don't make sense? Will you trust God when things don't make sense? Now, folks, here's our problem this evening. We're looking at the Noah after the fact. We've read chapter 7, 8, and 9. Noah didn't have chapter 7, 8, and 9. We've seen the movies. We've heard the stories. Noah hasn't. Put yourself in his shoes. Verse 12 and 13. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures. They will be uh, from the earth. They're all filled with violence. I will wipe them out along the earth. Now, that's a strange thing to hear from God, isn't it? not something you've ever seen before. Makes sense. Verse 14 through 16. Build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof. Some of you rednecks are going, man, that'd be pretty cool. I don't think it really was. Tar it inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long. A football field is 350 foot long, to give you a little context. 75 foot wide and 45 foot high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof and all the way around the boat. Put the door on the outside. Build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. I'm going to go ahead and read verse 17 here too, Jamie. Look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood. I will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die. Some scholars believe 
again, this is partially speculation, that it may have never rained at this point, that, that the, the earth watered itself through springs and things underground. Almost without question, Noah had never seen a flood, and who knows if he'd ever seen a boat. So God's telling him, I'm going to destroy the world. Huh. If you hear that in your quiet time, ask again. God, did you really say? And then God's telling him, I want you to build a boat. We don't know if he's ever built a boat. And I'm going to destroy the world with a flood. And he may have never even seen it rain. How many of you would agree that would be kind of bizarre for God to say that to you? It certainly would. Verse 18 through 21, and it doesn't get any better. I will confirm my covenant with you. You enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, male and female. Thanks, God. This will be fun. Into the boat so that you can keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you, that's important, to be kept alive. And be sure to take on board enough food for you and your family and all the animals. Thank you, God, for this extremely complex and difficult task you've just gave me. But you know what it tells us? Noah trusted God. He trusted God. You know, the more I'm looking at this Hebrews 11, I think it really gets down to the heart of our walk with Jesus. See, a lot of people who do get born again never really walk with God. And your walk with God and your victory walk with God, and that next level starts when you're willing to say to God, God, I don't understand. It doesn't make sense, but I'm going to trust you. How many of you read your Bible and there's things you don't understand? Good. If you said you understood it all, we never want you teaching a class because you're not very intelligent. Do you accept what the Bible says? One of the great and tragic stories is about Billy Graham and a guy named Charles Templeton. How many of you ever heard of Billy Graham? How many of you ever heard of an of evangelist named Charles Templeton? They were cohorts in the early days of Billy Graham's ministry. Some people thought Charles Templeton was a better preacher and was going to be the leader of the two. But they came to a point where Charles Templeton and Billy Graham were both struggling with accepting the Bible. Charles Templeton came to a point where he said, I can't move on with Jesus. I can't move on with the Bible. There's just too much in here I cannot figure out and explain rationally. At that same time, Billy Graham took his Bible and went up into the mountains in California and said after a few days, God, I can't understand it, but from this point on, I'm going to quit trying to figure it out, and by faith, I'm going to accept. I'm going to believe it. I'll tell you the rest of the story in a minute. You know some of it. When you pick up your Bibles, are you willing to trust what you don't understand? When God, through the Holy Spirit, speaks to your heart, it'll never contradict the Bible. Always remember that. But when God gives you some weird message and a hard message that you don't understand and you can't figure it out, will you say tonight, with the help of God, I'm going to trust God, and even when I don't understand what he's saying. See, God's not going to say a lot to many of us because we're not going to do it, and he knows that up front. This is the first step. Will you trust God? Will you trust God when you don't understand? And here's the, the third thing, the third question, which is the next level. Will you obey God when it doesn't make sense? See, Baptists, we're pretty good at saying, yeah, I trust God. Then we pass the offering plate and we prove we don't. It's supposed to be funny, but it wasn't. 
Verse 14 and 15, build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Construct the decks and stalls throughout its interior. If Noah would have been my father, I knew what that was fixing to mean for me for the next hundred years. Make the boat gigantic. Make it big. Okay, it didn't make sense to Noah. Look what it says in verse 22. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. See, Noah trusted God, but trust and belief is always proved out by what? By our actions. James 2, 22. James chapter 2 is just great on this. You see his faith and his actions work together. His actions made his faith what? Complete. How, do you, how can you tell, the best we can tell, if someone's genuinely been saved, if they're a different person? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. He's believed and has transformed his life. It's affected his behavior. I want to ask you this evening, will you trust God enough to obey him? Yeah, I believe I should do this. I believe I should follow God. I should give. I should witness. We just don't do it a lot of times, do we? Let me ask you a question this evening. How many of you believe that you could get on an airplane somewhere in Shreveport with some experts and they could teach you and instruct you and you could jump out of an airplane and land on the ground safely? How many of you believe that? I I mean, I absolutely believe it. You know, I've never done it, but I believe it. But you know what? You don't really... You can do all the talking in the world, but until you jump out of the plane, you're not a parachuter, correct? See, God told Noah to do all this weird stuff, and Noah said, I believe you. That's what we, amen, God, come on, come on, God. And then God says, no, get up and do it, and we say, I gotta go to the bathroom, right? <laughs> Let me ask you that third question tonight. Will you obey God even when it doesn't make sense? See, that's harder. Here's the fourth thing that really goes with it. Will you obey God when it's not easy? I won't read verse 14 again, but my goodness, building this boat. My, oh, my goodness. He didn't have a lot of help. No power tools. How'd you build a boat thousands of years ago? <laughs> Very difficult for sure. This wasn't a simple boat. Verse 21, and be sure to take on board enough food for your family and all the animals. Thank you, God, for that easy task, too. Oh, by the way, you need enough food maybe to last a year. I bet there was some weight loss during that cruise, wasn't there? See, sometimes, sometimes I can trust God, even when I don't understand it. Sometimes I can, I can say, you know what, I trust God, and, and it's not too difficult. I, I can probably even do it. But it's when it's, i got to trust God and do it, and when it's going to be hard, that's when it really seems to be a separator, doesn't it? You're single, and God tells you to end that relationship. Oh, you don't want to. You're married, and you want to end that, and God says, nope, you don't have any biblical reason. Ugh, that's tough, isn't it? God's telling you you, want to, you need to stay in Ruston. You go, I am too metro. I need to be in New York City. God says, stay here. Some of you, God may be saying, I want to take you somewhere far from here. It's my will. 
uh-uh, God, I like it too much here. God never said obeying him was going to be easy. You know, we have a beautiful hymn that we've sang for years, Wherever He Leads, I'll Go. You know that song? I love that song, but I want to tell you, I'm speaking as a preacher about my own tribe of preachers. We are completely hypocritical. We don't mean that at all. Follow God. Wherever He leads, I'll go. Oh, I'm not going there. (laughs) Too far from Mama. I'm not going there. I know everybody here. Maybe God's calling you to do something. You're just making too much money. You're not going to cut the cord because... Be too difficult. See, here's what God said to Noah. I want you to do some stuff that incredibly is not going to make sense. Do you trust me? Yes. Will you obey me? It doesn't make sense. Yes. Noah, it's going to be very hard. Will you still do it? And you know what Noah said? Absolutely, God, I will. Let me give you a quote. It's not original with me, but it's so good. Always choose the hard right over the easy wrong. Always choose the hard right. Over the easy wrong. Being out of God's will is always easy on the front end, and boy, you have to pay a price on the back end. God's will oftentimes is hard on the front end, but it sure is smooth sailing on the back end. Choose the hard right over the easy wrong. Here's the fifth question. Will you be faithful to share God's love to a hostile world? How many of you have ever thought of Noah being a preacher? You hadn't? 2 Peter 2.5 tells us a little bit about Noah. And God did not spare the ancient world except for Noah and his seven others in his family. Noah warned the world of God's righteousness and judgment. So God protected Noah when he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. Other translation says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Wow, that's pretty cool, isn't it? I'm going to share this in a moment. We don't know how long exactly. I'll share more. It took to build the ark. Very well could have been 100 years. That's a long time to build an ark and preach, isn't it? With apparently, Noah gave the invitation and nobody ever came forward. Or if they did, they didn't mean it. Because <laughs> they didn't make it in the ark, right? <laughs> Are you sharing Jesus with people? I read a great and a, a sad story. From, it was in the New York Times last, last fall. A young Christian man in Hong Kong, and Hong Kong is now, I, I guess it's a province of China, and he said in recent years that the Chinese have really ratcheted up the, the control over Christianity and religions. And, and this young man, his last name was Lam, he said, I've always wanted to be a preacher. I've always wanted to have a church and pastor and now that's looking more difficult. In fact, that maybe they'll let you have a church as long as you say the president, who now it looks like maybe more than the president the years ahead, uh, is, is basically Jesus is under him. As long as your church is under Jesus uh, and Jesus is under the state and the El Presidente, then it's okay. And here's what he said, I can never lift up anybody higher than Jesus. If I have to be killed or if I have to spend my life in prison and I never get to preach in a church, I've got to stay true. Wow. See, here in America, many of us, we won't share Jesus. We won't even hardly invite anybody to church. And it's not because we're going to get beat up or put in jail. We're just embarrassed. I don't want to put anybody on the spot. I'd rather them burn in hell for eternity than for me to embarrass them. 
Or it's worse than that. You don't want to embarrass yourself. We don't want to look silly. We don't want to be put on the outs with other people. Gosh, I just, I wonder someday how when we stand before God and we say, God, I wanted to be cool and it would have been cool to witness. Well, go warm yourself off for a little while. He's not going to say that, but the Bible does say he's going to spank us, many of us, before we get in. Noah stood true and he preached the gospel. He preached the good news. He preached the truth about God to the very end. How about you? You know what a martyr is? A martyr is, uh, we think of a martyr as someone who suffers and dies for the faith or suffers for the faith. The word martyr literally is a Greek word that means witness. I mean, a martyr is not necessarily somebody who is uh, doing something miraculous. There's somebody that's witnessing, sharing Jesus. And uh, we've seen throughout the centuries that people were killed for doing that. I want to ask you, will you stay true in sharing Christ with people? What a great question. And here's a, here's a question to kind of bring all the questions together. Will you, will you stay utterly faithful to these things? Everything we've looked at, I, I want to ask you will, will you, will you be faithful when no one else is? Will you trust and obey when it doesn't make sense or when it's hard? Will you keep sharing your faith? Will you stay true? Some believe it took Noah a hundred years to build the ark. Think about the commitment there. And we get impatient when we don't get the answer we want or see the change in two weeks. Right? Noah and them were on the boat at least a year. No ESPN, no internet, no Wi-Fi, no CDs. Who knows if Noah's sons could sing or not? They were probably Baptists. They couldn't dance, you know, but they... (laughs) A year on this boat, and it had to be a stinking boat at times. I'm not cleaning the stalls today. Don't you know that argument happened all the time? And then you're on this boat, and you don't know when it's going to end. Some of you are in there tonight. You, you're, you're enduring something. You do not know when it's going to end. Noah didn't know where it was going to land. God didn't say, we'll bring you right back to your house. By the way, your tent or house, whatever, it's going to have a lot of water damage. <laughs> Y'all are not getting these jokes. That's supposed to be funny. Thank you, Kay. I appreciate that. You know, water covers the whole world for 150 days, water damage. But Noah stayed true. I want to ask you to see, will you stay true Will you stay faithful? Will you keep trusting? Will you hang in there? Will you keep sharing Jesus? Will you be faithful? And lastly, I would tell you this. Much depends on our answers to these questions. A whole lot depends. See, when it gets down to it, real Christianity, real teaching, real preaching should never be philosophy and theory. It needs to be life. And this is life stuff. This In, in chapter 7, Verse 23 and 24, God wiped out every living thing on the earth. See, God kept his word, didn't he? People, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, birds of the sky, all were destroyed. The only people who survived were Noah and those with him in the boat. And the flood waters covered the earth 150 days. We go to Genesis 8, verse 18 and 19. So Noah, his wife, and his sons and their, their wives Left the boat. Don't you know that was a great day? I bet they danced out of that boat. 
And all of the large and small animals and the birds came out. Boy, when you, hey, you pick the turtles up, don't you? You don't wait on them at that point. And you come out. They came out pair by pair. And then we go to chapter 9, verse 1. Then God blessed Noah and his sons and told them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Here's what was at stake for Noah. His life, the life of his family, the ones he loved the most, his spiritual life, his spiritual vitality and influence with his family. The whole rest of humanity was at stake on what Noah did. And this evening, I, I won't hyperplay it for you. I don't know if all humanity is going to be at, at stake on that decision you're facing, but let me tell you. Your spiritual health is, your physical health may be, your reputation may be, your family's well-being may be, who knows, maybe even literally their physical lives may be. You see, when we decide to go with God or to not go with God, the stakes are extremely, extremely, extremely high. I want to go back to Billy Graham and Charles Templeton. They made a decision Almost at the same time, they're on the same road. Templeton says, I can't trust God. I can't trust this. There's just too much difficulty with it. And later, he becomes an atheist. And his story ends sad, broken, and disappointed. And Billy Graham, just kind of a country bumpkin from North Carolina, not highly educated, says, I'm going to trust God from this day forward, and I'm going to move forward with him just in a few weeks He held a great crusade in Los Angeles that lasted over six weeks, the beginning of his ministry. And he had 70 years of God-blessed, clean, pure influence in ministry. Millions of people will be in heaven because of Billy Graham's influence. The decisions you and I make, even tonight, with these things, you, you can never, never measure fully the ramifications of our decisions. So I want to give you three options tonight, ones we give around here regularly. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never given your life to Jesus. You need to come tonight and do that. That's a faith decision. It's a hard decision. Especially you've been a member of this church for years or whatever it is. You come, you give your life to Christ. You you talk to us over here, do it after church. Maybe you'd like to join. You can come and do that when we stand or do that after church. You're a Christian. Maybe you're at a crossroads tonight. If you live much longer, you will be. I plead with you. Where you're standing at the altar, praying with the ministry, you say to God tonight, God, with your help, I'm going to hold on to your hand, and I'm not letting go until we walk into heaven someday. Will you say that to God tonight? Let's stand. You come as he leads you.